0: Hello and welcome to FTP for triathlon people. I'm Morgan. I'm Cameron. We're here with Oaks, Matt, and Paige. We're coming to you live from... (laughs) Govo Boulder, Colorado, Gun Barrel Boulder, Colorado, however you want to say it. Um, Cam, I feel like we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we'll jump right into it.
1: I know. I don't want to waste any time. Um, so I guess the only major highlight... What? Of or, or like of like training. How that's going oh. and stuff. Oh, You're just yeah. in the thick of things, but I've got my first run, basically just walk run tomorrow, which is a Monday. Which You've is exciting. You've been cruising through your which ellipticals. Yeah, ellipticals and stuff, and Ab biking, workouts. and swimming normally, and everything. So the recovery's good.
0: Someone in the pool today asked if we were brother and sister because yeah, he was, was like, "You guys have very similar strokes," and I was like. But he's a lot faster than I am.
1: <laughs> Is that what you said?
0: No, I said, he was like, are you guys brother and sister? And I was like, no, we're partners. And he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean any offense. And I was like, no, none taken. He's like, you have very similar strokes. And I was like.
1: <laughs> it's almost because we look like we're like 12 years yeah. old. Yeah, our parents just dropped
0: us off at the pool. Yeah. They're tired of hanging out. On the yeah. snow day.
1: So excited to incorporate some new things with running this time with Nick and strength <laughs> What's training. What's that mean? Not, like, I never rotated shoes before. Mm-hmm.
0: But you're, you so have two that. new pairs now, right? Yeah.
1: And Whoa. just strength training. And I think, I mean, after talking with uh, my doctor who helped me through all this stuff, and like, because he's the pro running coach of Roots Running. and
0: Every time he's, it's like, that's his name. He's like the my pt doctor who is the doctor or the coach of roots running it's like his title it yeah. extends
1: out but uh yeah he was just talking about how like his team focuses on recovery and stuff especially being up at altitude so i think i don't know i think nick and i are gonna work on like a different sort of run cycle build which might be different from the swim and bike build overall but i think it'll be good so i'm excited about that but that's about yeah, i'm
0: all we excited have to, to have you back in workouts yeah I keep trying to bribe Cam because, okay, so it's been really snowy here lately and very cold. So it's been virtually impossible for me to run outside Outside, on the trails. I like will rough it sometimes if we don't have a treadmill available, but I've been bribing Cam with like, Cam, I'll bake you chocolate chip cookies if you come. Or wash the dishes. (laughs) I'll wash the dishes if you come sit in the gym while I do this hour and 10 minute run. Yeah.
1: Cam's been a sport about it. But it's been good um so next segment
0: (laughs) yeah real fast yeah next segment jump into the next segment
1: um race recap slash pro pro roundup sort of a lot of different pro race news and stuff and just professional news um 70.3 dubai was when was that friday
0: friday 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 Friday.
1: (laughs) friday it was on friday um and actually some wicked fast times. Morgan um, came I'm to me and she was sure. like she was like I think Dubai is short. And I was like <laughs> I think it's just really fast. I think I don't know. From what we've heard, Bahrain was short oh, and gosh. that's where this year this uh the 70.3 world records were set. I mean I mm-hmm. mean it's kind of world record is pretty like I don't know, ambiguous is that the right term? Like kind of just not real in this sport just because the the courses vary substantially between right. each course. How hilly, how windy, the weather conditions.
0: Well, I do think. I mean, the very distances
1: to... too. I mean, like <laughs> even like a tiny little like point one that'll add up, you know.
0: Oh but, yeah, and I mean when you think about like Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. right? When you think about transition one of Puerto Rico. Oh yeah, the it's like, like a miles. mile. Yeah, it I, th- really like I a think mile? it's I think three it's, quarters of a mile. I thought
1: it was eight. I thought it was at least a half mile from the water from, to transition.
0: Yeah. And, like, that's from the water to, I think, the start of transition. And then you have to run through, through transition. transition. So, it's just, like, those kinds of things, too, aren't counted in the yeah.
1: 70.3. I think I think my transition from Puerto Rico was, like, four minutes or yeah. something. My I first was one like was, five. like, 5.50. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and then the other thing I was going to say on the distances, or rather, the, the times, like, the world record. Yeah. The theory of the world record in this sport is also the, like, Kipchoge record, Which was, which is not being considered an actual marathon world record, but is like a 26.2 mile world record or something like that.
1: Yeah. But there's no official like governing body for the world record, even for like Olympic distances and stuff. The
0: Guinness book. No. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. How many nose rings can one person have?
1: Anyways, it was a really fast race. Um... Imogen Simmons, who finished, I think she was fourth? No, she was third last year in Nice and 70.3 World Champs, so she's just on a roll. She broke four hours, 358. Um, I thought these were, like, world record times when I first saw them, um, but Holly Lawrence this year went 353 in Bahrain. Um, another co- another interesting thing to note, just more, like, age groupers making their ways in the pro ranks. Um, your two previous, like, 70.3 World Champs, champions in your age group both race this race um they got fifth and seventh respectively so pretty impressive that your age group is really competing um on the pro side bar- honestly oh go ahead. no surprise though yeah they were beasts they pretty much dominated your race both times um on the male side uh bar Arnaud, i think he finished second at kona what was that in 2018 i don't know I how so.
0: you have all of these statistics i'm pretty
1: sure um or is he 2017 or 2018? One of the two. I think it was 2018. Um, but he went at 333, which I also thought was that that was like totally world record pace. But um, what's his name? The Norwegian. Um, who am I thinking of? Christian Blumenfeld. He went like 328, and that was also in Bahrain. Um, the other thing to note um, I'm probably going to butcher his name. But another Zwift Academy athlete who probably – what is this? This is now four? Four. This is now the fourth Zwift Tri-Academy athlete who's gone pro and made their pro debut, Levi Hawert. I probably butchered your name, but he made his pro debut. He broke four hours the first time, finished 19th place. Um, so, yeah, congrats. Congrats go out to you. Um, other news in the cycling – or not cycling, in the pro world, Cam worf who everybody's familiar with, probably just because we share names. Because of you. (laughs) Yeah, we do share names, and I think he's really sassy and hilarious. But he basically, he signed with Team Ineos in Cycling World. Um, He basically trains with them a lot, and I think he's good friends with all of those guys on the team. But he signed with them, so he is now cycling. He states that he's still going to pursue Kona, and like that's still his big goal, and he's still focused on triathlon. But basically he said that Cycling was always his strength, and he's no longer feeling that like that's his strength. So that's why he wants to work continuously, kind of on, on, um, cycling, and just focus on cycling. So it'll be interesting to see how he does this year in Kona. He already has his Kona slot. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. He finished fifth in Kona last year, so hopefully, maybe podium is looking up. Next. Is Jan Ferdino has left Asics running, which
0: I just can't believe it's all happening.
1: I know, especially because like he's been with Asics forever, literally since like I, I mean, I, since he won the gold medal twelve years ago now, um, and
0: has been like
1: very loyal.
0: Yeah, very loyal. He's been at all of their events. They just developed carbon shoes, I think. Yeah, he wore him. one of their
1: prototypes in Kona, yeah. which is interesting i I don't know and
0: everyone who responded to our story when we were like where will he go was like nike obviously
1: yeah i, I mean there aren't a lot of triathletes who get any nike sponsorships just cause it's like i mean i feel like their presence is big in triathlon but like they're definitely not focused on triathlon in general you know no. i think they're f- very focused on like the track track and just running distance running yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know. I think Nike. I think he's a big enough name in the sport and big enough star to be able to sign with them. So, but
0: it was before the decision was made. Yeah, it was but like three still,
1: days before. Yeah, but I mean, I think a lot of people still feel. I mean, the data hasn't come out, and we'll talk about this in about five minutes. Sorry, but that hasn't come out to say how far away all these other competitor shoe brands are from the next percent. So. I think a lot of people still think that that shoe is pretty much leagues ahead of everybody else. And they're just making progress as we'll touch on here shortly. Um, Next, uh, local pro triathlete, Sam Long.
0: Yeah, we've seen him on the track a couple of times. The
1: track a couple of times. You see him out on the trails a lot. Um, He's a local guy. I think he went to Boulder High. But he just recently signed with Rudy Project. So he'll be sporting their glasses and I'm guessing their helmets too.
0: And then Rudy Von Berg.
1: Signed with Trek. Trek. Yeah, Yeah. he signed with Trek. Also, Bart Arnault, who I just talked about, um, who just won 7.3 Dubai, he also signed with Trek. Um, What else? I guess Ellie Salthouse, another local, just while we're on it, she signed with Trek Factory Racing, which we sort of talked about how Trek has, like, two tiers of pro racing. Yeah,
0: which I guess I understand, but I also don't... I don't get it, (sighs) because, like i don't know why they would need it it's like the top tier is, is like trek factory racing and it's like five people uh, isn't it like holly it's like six
1: people now i don't know it's like holly um lindsey corbin tim o'donnell tim reed and now ellie is that five yeah
0: oh yeah ellie congrats to ellie yeah,
1: I think that's five. Lots of I partnership
0: be, changes, I feel like, yeah. this season. Yeah, and
1: then, what else What else was I going to say? And, then, and then, then there's, like, the step down, which, which is, is just, Trek Racing. Just Trek Racing Team. They took out the factory.
0: And that's, like, that's a still bunch names. of people.
1: Uh, Who's Bart Arnault, Rudy Von Berg.
0: Paula Finley. Paula
1: Finley. I feel like feeling I'm so many people. More. I don't know who it well, was. Be-
0: ben Canute? Uh,
1: ben Canute's on Trek Factory Racing. Oh, okay. I don't uh, know. Th-
0: I feel like I just don't understand the. We should look into this. Maybe we'll what make a note to do that for next. How pro week.
1: you are? How it's just different levels of funding, I'm guessing, and how much they get paid. But I don't know how much. How many new bikes they get a year? <laughs> um. So that. Um. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on was the best year and try ever. And hear me out for this <laughs> one. So I think I mean I've, they probably say everybody probably says this every year, but. We've got Kona, which I think will have a stacked lineup this year because, again, you've got athletes like Alistair and Javi who already have their Kona slots who are coming off of the Olympics and will both compete in Kona along with Jan and Lionel who's got a coach now. Like Just a stacked lineup in Kona, probably more stacked than ever just with the addition of Javi because – We love Javi. We love Javi. We've got Roth, where they're announcing the pro field in, like, a day. So by the time you hear this podcast, it'll already be out. But, like, both the Kona champions are racing Roth, Challenge Roth, in Germany. You've got the Collins Cup, which is, like, the professional triathletes org first event, which has, like, a stacked lineup, too. You've got the Tokyo Olympics, which I think will be particularly exciting because you have... Alistair Brownlee and Javier Gomez both returning to the Olympics to compete. Um, And I I think both of them honestly have a good shot at a medal. You've got the mixed relay addition into the Olympics, which I think adds a cool new event to triathlon and another medal opportunity for countries and athletes. You've got 70.3 champs after Kona and Tokyo too. So I think there's like, as you've seen like Flora, you've got a lot of people –
0: People love the end of season races, too. Yeah. When you think about this year with like Lucy, Paula Finley, they crushed their end of season yeah, Lionel. races. Yeah, yeah, they love it. Yeah,
1: it'll just be interesting because the season then now goes on for so long, mm-hmm. and seeing us at the very end of November. But you've got the seventy point three world champs after Kona in Tokyo, so it'll be interesting to see who shows up there. But I have a feeling pretty much everybody will be there because a lot. I know a lot of people sit that out because it's right in the middle of. ITU season right before or like right after right before grand finals. And it's right before Kona too. So I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about that claim?
0: Um, I have heard cause when I first heard best year and try ever, I agree with you that I think it happens all the time that every year, every year when we go to, when we like watch Kona and whatnot, they're mm-hmm. always like, this is it. This is the year. Right. But this yeah. year felt a l- different.
1: It really I mean, did. It was just, I think personally, it was just because Jan was back.
0: I think so. I think he is right now <sighs> the, the biggest competitor to anyone out there. Yeah. I mean, when, on he's, the men's side. when
1: he's in the pro field, I feel like everybody pays attention to it. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think people will will watch a Jan race over anyone else. Yeah. You know, like they'll watch a random race just because Jan's in it. But I do agree. I think the competition is is what makes it the best year. Yeah. I don't even know if like the new races like Collins cup and whatnot, I don't even know if that's really what for me is like the exciting part. It's more just watching the athletes and seeing them yeah, all yeah, compete yeah. against each other. Yeah. That's my yeah. I
1: think. It's just that there, there's are so many races with huge stacked pro fields. Yes. Which hopefully is just good for the sport. So anyways, next segment.
0: Yeah. One other thing right, that I don't on. even know if I have, um, like, I don't know. Basically, she can try posted the first Afghan woman to finish an Ironman try event at Dubai. Mm-hmm. Her name's is Zainab. Okay. And we're super stoked for her. Proud of her. Like super proud. But I also don't know because apparently there are other Afghan women who have completed the race. So I'm not sure what exactly makes Zainab different. But congrats. Yeah. I wanted to talk about it, and then I was just doing, like, a little bit of research, and I was like, wait, there have been others, because they even talked about...
1: Because I remember, because Ownway, one of the brands we wear, remember when they designed a personalized, uh, personalized tri-suit, like, totally custom, it had sleeves, it had the, um, the like, veil, yeah. like, hijab sort of thing, all covered, like full length sleeves and then full length legs and it was, was
0: probably just like the highest quality material yeah it was really because she, she awesome. qualified for
1: kona and i don't i don't remember what her name is but mm-hmm. i remember seeing that in their like initial catalog which is really cool but anyway i don't know if she was afghan or not but
0: yeah we can move on to cam's corner Anyways, I to yeah, plug that. next segment cam's corner. cam's corner it's a
1: heavy one today we're gonna Dude,
0: s- this is just we're gonna say episode 11 cam's episode i did a lot of research for this
1: episode cam just sent of con- me these and, notes well, but it's week. also like a lot of stuff up my alley i don't know there was a lot of drama this this time around i haven't
0: heard any of the drama
1: what with all the shoes oh we'll get to <laughs> it with all the cheese, i don't know i don't know but you'll I, i'm Let's definitely let heavy just but whatever <laughs> anyways cam's i'll Corner. just
0: add comedic relief
1: Uh, so i wanted to touch i think we've sort of touched on zwift run before zwift again is one of the virtual like i wouldn't want to say virtual reality because it's not virtual reality it's like video game it's like a video game for cycling it's like a but it's one of the trainer trainer road it's like a virtual training
0: one of the like yeah trainer companion
1: yeah software um but it's primarily cycling however they've really jumped into the running sort of aspect of it and I think I've probably touched on it before basically again how to use it you need like an iPad iPhone or a laptop or like a Apple TV something to run it on um and typically if with the with the Zwift run I mean with the bike you need like the power meter the smart trainer or the speed cadence sensor basically to use it with the running it's sort of the same sort of deal um you again, you could use a smart treadmill, which those are really pricey. Those are like the $12,000 woodways.
0: But is that what it started as? Like, if you wanted Zwift Run, you could no. only use that? No, oh.
1: they, they, that's just also compatible. That one, that one again would be like the smart trainers where it like adjusts the incline and the speed and the resistance, whatever of the of your run um you'll have the foot pods which i think is where it started with the stride foot pods okay but zwift has now designed their own so that's like another way to do it is with a heart rate monitor and a zwift run pod which somehow measures your your like running power i don't know how that works but well they, i they know do it. holly was using it right after her injury glenn jorgensen uses yeah. it she uses a lot um Lucy Charles uses Zwift all the time. I mean, those are like the Zwift Well, I'm just people. talking
0: about specifically the foot pod things. Oh, like Holly was I... using that right after her injury. Gwen yeah. is plugging it right now because of her injury. A lot of
1: people use the, the run power meters, which I think are kind of interesting. I've never tried it, but um, that's one way to do it. And I guess, yeah, I think that's those were primarily the only two ways to do it initially. But they've now just released a new one. It's called the Run, R-U-N-N. And it's basically like this little sensor that, like, basically sits on one side of your treadmill, and the sensor overlooks like the back of the belt, and that can, I guess, judge how fast the belt's moving. So that basically tells you how fast you're running. Which I guess that seems like a really easy way to cheat in the game, but
0: just like stand uh, on the side. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but Cam's that's,
1: always thinking about ways people ways can cheat. Be. I mean, the biggest one is just weight doping. It makes me so frustrated.
0: This one will be something else. When people
1: are averaging eight watts per kilogram and their heart rate is 98. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, yeah, so that's a new way to do it. Um, Now, on to the biggest drama of
0: our lives.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It basically was for this past week. I was basically spending all waking hours researching what this was all about. But the IAF, since our since we last recorded, um, they made their decision. And the biggest rules of their decision about the shoes was it can't... So, number one, the limit is a 40 millimeter midsole. And I guess this is measured at the thickest point of the midsole, which I guess this is already controversy because... I am
0: actually very angry hyped about this.
1: Yeah, I'm like... I don't know there's just basically in conclusion even though we haven't even gotten there <laughs> basically in conclusion the the theme of this is that Nike has not come to play fair
0: well to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I was gonna they, say not to play by the rules but they are playing they, my reaction don't care, to this basically. right my reaction to this was like the people who are engineering these shoes have spent their entire Live so like from whenever they started playing with like Lincoln Logs and connects right <laughs> up to when they graduated with their masters in engineering or whatever. That entire time they've existed within specific parameters right. So you come into class and someone's like, you need to build this bridge and you can only use five like different pieces yeah, and you blah, use blah blah Five right.
1: marshmallows and three spaghetti sticks and that's what you got and you have to make the longest bridge possible right and so those are like sell
0: at that exactly exactly and so this is like a very comfortable space where the limits are 40 millimeter midsole and one carbon plate right yeah and like they have to be on the market for x number of days which isn't so much a parameter as much as it's like a regulation but i think like this is a very comfortable space for them so when you see like immediately following the the ruling they They came out with like an updated shoe that was like within the parameters
1: right so yeah again number one was the 40 millimeter midsole um i guess the i did a ton of research this last week i read i don't know i got to the dark web i got to page two <laughs> and three of google researching all of this so uh yeah but i guess from what i found out is that i guess the measurement is taken 12 percent in from the back of the heel and that's where they count as like the midsole but
0: and that's 12 percent. i think you need to say what the sizing issue too so that's 12 yeah, yeah. of
1: of and i guess the measurement that they're going to take the 40 or millimeter ruling in is a men's size 8.5 which for a lot of men out there that is like a kid's shoe i also
0: will say wow i didn't even consider that because that's a standard women's shoe
1: yeah but 8.5 men's that's like what size are you i'm in 11 to 12. and that's like that's average and for everybody out there elliot kipchoge is not the biggest man in the world and he wears a ten and a half so okay
0: so eight and a half is a small eight and a half is a very small men's shoe keep in mind also these shoes specifically these nike shoes have that like tail on the end of them yeah but
1: i don't know if that i don't think that counts i don't know i don't think that's i mean but that would hurt them 12%.
0: Twelve percent Oh yeah 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 you're right. You're right, right. So they yeah. want it to be closer to like the front end yeah. you'd think. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so it's taken on a men's eight and a half.
1: Yeah, taken on a men's eight and a half. The um next rule what is next rule? It can only have one stiff plate. And that can be any material. So I mean the lightest material is gonna be carbon, lightest and stiff is gonna be carbon, so it can only have one carbon plate. Um and they have to another thing that's sort of controversial is that they have to be available to the public air quotes around that statement for four months so those are the big rules um some notes on this post-race officials are allowed to split the shoe in half they're basically like which is
0: like i would love to see
1: it i think that would be hilarious
0: saw it in half
1: yeah but you're basically they could saw it in half like hot dog style right down the middle to see how many plates are in it oh i would have
0: imagined hamburger style like i really would have when you mm. said saw it in half, I was thinking, I don't know. Style. I mean, I guess if
1: they saw it in half one way, they can just chop it up because the shoe is worthless then. Yeah. Um, Dice it
0: up. Um, I do want to jump back quickly to the eight and a half. Okay. Are you going to talk more about that?
1: Uh, go ahead.
0: I just think, so I think it's important to note that like it's measured in an eight and a half, but then we heard a Nike, it's, was she a Nike
1: employee? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll touch on this. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you want to uh, do it now? Yeah. Yeah. I just- yeah. So basically again, the men's size eight and a half. So why does it matter the 8.5 when I wear an 11? I guess basically an 8.5 stack height is going to be less than a men's size 11. So basically as you scale up, as it gets longer, it also gets taller, basically like relatively. So that the scale is still the same, like with the amount of foam. So if it gets 12% longer, it gets 12% higher as well, which is why I feel like i don't know in the new shoes the alpha fly so basically when this ruling was first made everybody was like okay the next percent is good but the alpha fly that kipchoge wore during the one five the breaking two when he did it in vienna austria that was rendered not like illegal basically and so that was like for two days we all were like okay great that shoe is now illegal like, but it didn't even drama. really hit the market anyway. Yeah, it didn't hit the market. It was a prototype, whatever. So with this, I guess to note, um, it was super tall. From the patents I looked at, yes, I looked at the patent of the original <laughs> designs and stuff. They basically submitted, it had three carbon plates under like the toe of it with two AirPods. One was exposed and one was technically supposedly hidden within the foam, with like within the shoe, like it wasn't visible. Huh. Um, so those, and I guess the stack height, they, they guessed again, nobody has actually seen the shoe or actually been able to measure it. The patents are out there, but they don't know like what the size of the foam is. And nobody's again, nobody's been able to look at it. So this is just like all speculation. Nike again has been very secretive about this in all my research. They like, it is so hard to find the stack heights anywhere.
0: Yeah. If you Google them, it doesn't show up. It doesn't
1: show up anywhere. Even like of the next percent, which is why I was having such a hard time because they say that the stack height of the next percent is a 36. However, of the heel, stack height is 40 millimeters, and then the toe is 32. So again, I, to- I told you earlier it was measured 12% in from the heel, but that doesn't make any sense how they got 36. I, I-, I honestly have no idea how this works, which is, again, why it's this like stack height question is like, So confusing, are they measuring like where are they measuring? It's not published anywhere in the rule, and again, this is why like they need to continue investigating this and like they need to create more concrete rulings, or else Nike and other shoe brands are just going to find these loopholes like with the old rule. But, um, basically, they thought that Kipchoge's shoes at the 159 were about like a 51 millimeter stack height, which again, that's over the 40 millimeters. But with all the drama after all of this. They released, what, like three days ago now mm-hmm. from recording this? It was like three days after the ruling. They announced the Alpha Flies. So, <laughs> so even though they were just banned, they announced them. However, these are apparently revised. Even though in all their ad advertising, they basically say that these are the exact same shoes as the ones that Kipchoge wore. And honestly, looking at them, you wouldn't be able to tell because you can't see the three carbon plates. Right. You can't see you all can't the AirPods. See, and you can't see the, the double-stacked AirPods so like, honestly, this could be the exact same shoe that he wore. It's like it's honestly impossible to know until somebody actually gets their hands on the one that he wore and saws it and in saws half. it in half and actually measures it, because it, it, they need to find out like, it was that one legal? Are these ones the exact same? It's it's so hard to tell, and it, uh, it was just crazy. But this basically like blew up the internet when these were announced because they just banned our them. internet. Yeah, all I right, feel
0: right. like no one else cares. Yeah, but I told my whole office and a couple of people were like, Oh, wow. Cool <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, This is crazy. Well basically it blew up the internet and they like basically banned them and then three days later they come out with ones that are legal. Um again it the shoe passed in a size eight and a half. However, in normal people's sizes, it looks it looks like gigantic moon shoes They and i've seen a video of people walking around in these now and they literally are so squishy
0: and extra grippy yeah they look
1: super grippy they sound it too i remember like it sounded like they were like sticking to the floor yeah it was really kind of interesting again it'll make me they also nike also announced some like interesting spikes that currently are banned so it'll be interesting to see but they looked like they look like springs too it was wild but um it'll be interesting to see what like distance athletes on the track actually use because i've seen like athletes like gwen jorgensen use these next percent shoes so it'll be interesting to see if like the alpha fly will make a debut on the track especially if it's like grippy enough you know um what else i want to talk about this
0: Okay, so a couple of other things is the cost, Yeah, which is so, something when you said someone needs to get their hands on it and saw it in half, my bank account just started crying.
1: Yeah. So the next percents are currently $250, i am pretty sure. The Alpha Flies- Which,
0: if you don't ever buy running sneakers,
1: 250 is like double what you should be like paying. That's like two ten Double ten an shoes. expensive, expensive and, pair of sneakers. And snakes. they also recommend that you only wear them 50 to 100 miles. That's what they say. I've heard other people say that, like, the the foam is, like, better than that. And they can actually be worn a little bit longer than that 50 to 100-mile. But it's, like, best scenario. But that's best practice. So that's basically, like, two marathons. (laughs) Literally a no training. Yeah. So that's kind of crappy. But the Alpha Flies, I don't know anything about the distances or anything that they recommend. But I've seen them priced at anywhere to 300 to $400. But, uh, we still don't know yet, right? We still don't know. But three to $400 for a pair of race shoes that you can only wear for 100 miles. <laughs> sounds.
0: Like only a couple of people can afford them. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been surprised at how many people I've seen racing in any of the other already released Nike mm-hmm. sneaks like yeah the money yeah and even I mean new colors I just saw a post today of yeah, someone wearing like the brand new colors that came out like
1: wasn't that like last week well they've been out in other countries for a while so you'll start to see like the orange and blue the white you'll see, you'll see all of them if you go through like the prototype pages of the Golly. dark web you'll see
0: the dark all. web ie again
1: page two of google and instagram so. <laughs> but anyways um the other sort of Thing I wanted to touch on was the four months quote unquote available to the public. Mm. So, what is that widely available? They basically say that you can't have any more prototypes. So once the shoe is released, it has to be four months until an, a- an elite athlete can wear them. So I thought this was also int- kind of In interesting. In a competition. In a competition. Because, like, these rulings seems to be made for elite rules only. So yes. Like, well, it said that. A- right. And a- so, like, amateurs and age groupers technically could still use... The like, Elliot Kipchoge... The, like, triple, <laughs> triple carbon-plated, like, moon shoe or whatever. that I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but for Tokyo... April 30th is the cutoff to be able to wear them in the Olympics. So with the Alpha Flies being released like last week, I don't know when they'll actually go on sale, but they'll definitely be out before April 30th. So people have them in Tokyo. Kipchoge will be wearing them in Tokyo for sure. Um, the other thing's kind of interesting. Um, the brands that like are definitely under pressure, Saucony, um, they were scheduled to release in June. So they're going to either have to move it up or their mm-hmm. athletes are not going to be able to wear them. I think Brooks should be okay. ASIC still hasn't released anything, and they've just been running in prototype. So if they're gonna, their athletes like Sarah Hall are going to run in anything, like they're kind of screwed. I think people have said New Balance might be okay, but they might be pushing it a little bit. Um, but again, from all my research, like these companies, we don't know how close they are to the next percent, but as far as I've read, they're like still years away from the Alpha Fly. So yeah. Um, what are the final notes? Basically, I think I've already said it, but this ruling was made during an Olympic year. They're still investigating all of this, so they might tighten them later. Mm-hmm. Um, they just wanted to get something out. Yeah. Um, again, you can wear the elites can wear prototypes up until April thirtieth, so that includes the Olympic trials for the U.S. Um, so I guess you technically could see any anything show up. You could see like the quadruple plated moon shoes during the usa track are you and field. sure
0: that's not the prototype rule
1: no, no i'm saying it doesn't fall like basically it doesn't take effect the prototype rule doesn't take effect until april 30th i'm pretty but sure but
0: the other pieces the 40 millimeter and the single plate i think oh, already maybe. take effect maybe. so i think you could see prototype like you could see for instance asics prototype
1: at trials but i don't yeah. think
0: they'll have like multiple plates or
1: yeah i guess you're right you're right Um, and then I think the only last thing to know is I've read, I don't, I I couldn't find my source, but I've read that and heard that the ITU will follow suit from this ruling as well as, um, Iron Man, the WTC. So we'll see. We'll keep you posted. What was the last thing I wanted to say? Oh, I think once I have the money, I wanted to make the announcement. Morgan says I'm a hypocrite (laughs) for saying it.
0: Oh yeah. So I wanted to make sure that everyone who listens to the podcast knows here and now that Cam is stating for the record.
1: I think I would get the Alpha Flies <laughs> 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 if I had the money for it. But uh, So you may they see look, they Cam look, running in them. They look pretty cool.
0: In like 2024 when we can afford $400 sneakers.
1: Yeah, good grief. That's like, I mean, f- when I was swimming, I guess that's the same sort of thing. I had a tech suit that you can only wear so many times. And at Bucknell, it was really nice because they just give them to you because it's just on the university's dime. But when in high school you are doing it on your own, it kind of sucked. So, th- <laughs> so thanks, Mom, for buying me super like three hundred dollar tech suits there we go cam's
0: shout out for the
1: episode (laughs) cam's mom all right anyways next segment
0: next segment is kind of on the same vein
1: you Um, need to do the majority of the talking here i know i feel like you need a little break yeah
0: um this one i'm super excited for this is gear we use cam plugged it last episode and it's been something we've been waiting to do Mm -hmm. um since we started so i think it makes the most sense to go through swim bike run For Um, racing and training yeah Yeah. exactly so for the swim we both swim in pretty much all tier
1: gear yeah i um you would just wear like a one piece yep and i wear a speedo and a drag suit like a square drag suit
0: yep we like tier yeah what honestly i think like whatever swimsuit fits you best and you're most comfortable in for training yeah yeah Yeah. for training i think they're all kind of made the same tier lasts really long i've not had any issues
1: with that so
2: yeah
0: love it goggles we use speedo speed socket right yeah mirrored
1: and and that's just because it looks cool well that's also what i grew up with swimming not grew up with but that's what i wore when i was swimming
0: cam tried swedes one time i've (laughs) tried
1: swedes a lot and like
0: I wear them a lot.
1: <sighs> yeah. And like, I've never gotten into them. I think they have to wear them super tight in order to fit with my face. But I, I always, think you
0: have to have a very specific eye socket shape.
1: They just look so much cooler.
0: Jan and Javi wear them, right?
1: And a lot of like just pro swimmers. I don't I just know why just you can would. never get into it. But so Swedes
0: have like, we, I think we talked about this. They don't
1: have any like rubber on the outside to like suction to your face. They just are like just one plastic lens basically sounds
0: painful like why would you do that
1: <laughs> why yeah. would you do that to
0: yourself but so we ours <laughs> are um mirrored lenses which i will say is the move the move i think one person i know who doesn't who <laughs> still looks cool is josh Amberger.
1: yeah you can totally see his eyes he looks, <laughs> he looks crazy
0: but i think part of that is because he's always leading out the swim so he needs to see he needs to be able to sight and like mirrored can sometimes cause issues with like the issue, water i have not either but maybe that's why i'm giving josh the benefit of the doubt because yeah, we love but
1: it. if you want to look cooler i'd say mirrored especially in swimmer. the pool yeah
0: don't
1: don't wear clear goggles in the make pool. everyone guess where you're looking <laughs> Be be a man of suspicion <laughs> um anyways, all right you wear a then, cap i don't wear a cap yeah i
0: wear a cap um i just wear whatever camp's mom has given me yeah. thanks Denise
1: yeah so it's a lot of Ohio
0: so people ask me all the time if I like like people have stopped me in the pool and been like oh you're from Ohio and I'm like no no I'm not but I know it's some teams there and they're like <laughs> oh okay and then we just go on swimming but yeah yeah caps team caps are usually cooler event caps are cool I think it's not cool to wear your race Iron cap Man. in the pool yeah. so if you get gifted a cap for your race don't wear that in the pool that's kind of an on pro move. Yeah. Um, but I think, I and then otherwise we just use paddles.
1: Yeah, Pull buoy yeah. and a snorkel. snorkel. Yeah. Kickboard. Yeah.
0: Um, and then for the race, we swim in a tier uh, wetsuit. It's a yeah, cat five it's a
1: hurricane cat five. Wetsuit is what we've got. So, and I really like it. Yeah. I've, I don't know. I've never really, I don't know. Wetsuits are Okay i don't know i always feel like my arms are kind of restricted i'm kind of super interested in the DeBor wetsuits i we felt them in nice and they look really cool and danny
0: Daniela reef um races in them yeah does Jan?
1: yeah yan and canute ben canute and, and um who's the guy at triple t matt yeah i forget his Cam- last name <laughs> <laughs> we plugged him last week yeah that's all right um but uh yeah i think that's all for the swim really i can't think of anything else really i wear a, i obviously wear a cap during the um and that's
0: whatever the race cap is during the race yeah matt russell that's Matt his name. russell for some reason i was thinking hoffman do we know a matt hoffman
1: no you know a ben hoffman
0: huh anyway <laughs> Anyways, matt russell
1: so i think it's all for the swim for and then also your your speed Oh I also wear a, uh, What is it called Skin Swim skin Yeah swim skin I wear tears swim skin But what is it called I completely forget Torque It's called the Torque And I wear the Torque Pro Cause Kim's yeah. pro No. <laughs> but that's what I wear I honestly feel like I mean it looks like a knee skin I don't know it's, a a okay. it's
0: basically just like a tank top tri kit that goes over top of your tri kit and it's a little bit more aerodynamic than a typical tri-kit. Hydro, would be. hydrodynamic sorry hydrodynamic yeah yeah
1: so anyways that's, that's what we the wear. swim yeah for the bike we both ride Trek speed concepts um what else we have 51 speed shop the 51 ski bend Bars, bars. bars, they're like the most like high terminating. They just look like like almost like almost ninety degree bars, but they're not. They're like fifty one degrees. But uh, that. What else do we have? We both have Garmin's out front, and a little like slab
0: Hydro yeah things x what lab called? torpedoes
1: torpedo bottles we should have written front, all this stuff in between down. our air bars we're both just miming no no that's okay <laughs> and and then we have x lab uh bottle cage on the back of our seat post um
0: fun story i broke cams off of his first bike yeah um at bucknell, at bucknell. in college i fell off his bed <laughs> 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 and just Sassy, sensed it off yeah <laughs> anyways um but this was early on and so cam didn't make me pay for it i was like i'll pay and he was like it's it's fine it's okay i
1: think it's because you didn't realize how expensive it was i, think I know it, I, it like it wasn't just like part of it it was like the actual thing so it was gonna be like a 70 dollar replacement bottle cage oh sorry cam but what else is interesting we ride pretty much all sram components yes which um, will
0: also be a video hopefully coming out Shortly, we haven't filmed it yet, but we've all talked about walking you through what's actually on our bike, component-wise. Yeah. Um, because I think that'll be helpful for folks.
1: I've got a ceramic speed oversized pulley wheel, um, on the back. What else?
0: And then Uh, we both. I ride ISM saddle, um, which is something. Also, I want to talk about when we have. We're gonna have a women's specific episode, hopefully. Yeah. Um because not all saddles are made the same and let me tell you not all soft tissue is made the same folks so everybody needs a different saddle yeah um but i ride ism saddle and then we both ride in bont cycling shoes yeah um i used to ride in tri shoes yeah um which i think i hated them because they were pink
1: yeah yeah they are kind of ugly. They were
0: super duper ugly, but they were the cheapest ones at the time, and I needed yeah. some
1: quick shoes. And then I ride Speedplay, the Zero Arrow pedals, and you ride the Look Carbon TI
0: pedals. I really like Look pedals. Yeah. I really, really do. I've had great luck with them. They're very, very consistent. Yeah, they are good. Easy to clip in and clip out. Um, And then tubes and tires we always ride latex tubes the yeah, pink ones the
1: victoria latex tubes and, and then, then
0: continental tires yeah we really like those who we, rode gator skins
1: nick right no
0: someone a pro i think rode gator skins oh, for like in for kona. kona yeah
1: i don't know i don't remember who it was so
0: continental is notorious notorious it has a bad connotation famous i guess we could just say for having um like really resilient tires yeah and gator skin is their highest
1: yeah it's like they never puncture (laughs) or anything happened to them ever but they're like thick
0: and like kind of heavy so it's like not (laughs) recommended to race in them yeah um
1: but we what do we ride well we used to ride in the gp gp 4000s but now they just released the 5000s that's what we race on but but i think both of our all of our training wheels all have the 4000s on them still Mm -hmm but i think right now on tri sports i think the 5000s are cheaper than the 4000s Shh,
0: don't tell our list actually do tell our
1: listener. yeah. listeners so i have had good success on the 5000s plus i think they look a little cooler but yeah latex no one's looking at your tires though people latex Except i Cam. am
0: <laughs> uh, latex
1: <laughs> tubes on the move as you've just heard from dave ripley so that's what we ride on i even ride on those with my training wheels just cuz i like them but, and uh, then
0: we use flare tail lights when we're training outside because i think that's really important to note yeah always have a light when
1: you're training outside um because you need to be seen well, oh we also use 51 speed chop um arm pads <laughs> like elbow yeah. pads and then the which wheels. are so comfortable yeah, they're, so they're really good Oof.
0: i used to hate getting down into arrow because the bars i would like wear down the sponge and the like screws underneath would pop up and like hit my elbows every bump but these are dreamy yeah they're really like nice. little pillows i've little had mine i think
1: for like what this is now the third year they're still good
0: yeah do they still feel like hugs for your elbow
1: not as much as what yours feel like but mine are still pretty <laughs> so good nice. and then we ride zip wheels race wheels race wheels yeah i've just got we both have just regular old aluminum training wheels uh,
0: well mine's not a regular old aluminum mine's the expensive
1: aluminum yeah but it's still the cheapest of what they had but anyways
0: everything is so expensive in this sport yeah and then we also helmets is important because morgan's psa from like episode nine everyone wear wear your helmet. helmet yeah um i ride a Bontrager. We both ride Bontrager training helmets. Yeah. Yours mine is, is so much Volosis. cooler. We're not even going to talk about what mine is. I don't even know what yours is. Mine yours was on had like sale. The, the
1: visor out front. That Pulled like, that off though. The commuter cyclist. Was it was like 25 <laughs> bucks. I needed a
0: helmet. And then we both ride Giro Arrowhead. Aero helmets. helmets.
1: Yeah. yeah the black one with a cool visor. Yeah. And then for training, I also, we both ride Rudy Project um, sunglasses yes i, re- I use the defenders and you use the i don't know how to say it trail I trail x yeah or trail yeah i don't know so anyway so that i think is that all for the bike
0: <sighs> i don't know that was a lot i feel like we just bored all of our listeners i don't know just miming through looking at Paige's bike in front of us trying to think if there's anything else
1: i don't really think there's anything else
0: i don't think so we can add it to the video yeah. when we walk everyone through it and um, then,
1: the run. Oh yeah. And then I guess oh. another thing for Harry, <laughs> like general, oh, we yeah. both have Garmin seven, three, five XT watches. Is that which I
0: will say to anyone out there looking to get a watch. If you are like a, like a serious multi-sport athlete, I think this is the best watch for it. Yeah. Cause you can do everything except for like one thing, which you don't even need to do. And I don't remember what it is. Maybe it's music that like the one level up can do. Um yeah,
1: there's like the, there's like different tiers of the multi sport watches and they just seem to get heavier and bigger yeah. on your wrist and like a Which way makes more sense, I guess. They have a
0: lot more going features, on. But yeah.
1: But this is like really small, really compact, and it does everything that we could ever want and more. We both have Garmin heart rate monitors, like the run version, and then for the race, you don't have the try one, but I have the try one to record my heart rate in the water.
0: And then I also, because I'm back in the stone ages with my, what? Um, I'm on like a ver- I'm on an iPhone four for my trainer road. Um, so oh, I have a yeah, Wahoo yeah, yeah. heart rate monitor which works on Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, and then I guess for trainers, I have a Hammer Cyclops Hammer trainer and you have the what do you have the The mag the mag the mag plus
0: which mine's wheel on we have already talked about this mine's a wheel on trailer trainer and cams is Uh, a direct drive drive. yeah and i use trainer road cam uses swift personal preference um and then moving on to the run because i'm so excited for this because we get to plug our two favorite people well my two
1: favorites well uh, before we get to that (sighs) what no, i just God. like i always write i mean running clothes i don't even i don't even think there is anything cam wanted note.
0: so desperately to like have a brand he was like when you were running in newton i had newton everything <laughs> we went to the newton store in boulder and remember that? Oh, yeah. And um, his name was Kevin, I think. I don't Hooked remember. you up. He got me a pair of Newton socks, gave Cam a pair of Newton socks. Cam got a shirt, like four pairs of shorts. Yeah. Because they don't have any, like, apparel on their website, right?
1: No, they do. It's just pretty limited. But they only have one store, and it's here in Boulder. That's, so like, where they're based. But I'm not very – I'm sort of, like, in between – running shoes but I guess that's a good time to do it especially with all the drama happening with all the carbon shoes and stuff <laughs> so I don't have to be loyal to any one brand I can just whatever but for running shoes I've been training in Saucony Canvaras and I just bought a pair of the Ride no that's wrong the Freedom <laughs> Isos because Nick wants me to rotate shoes
0: and so, you love these I you liked love your yeah, I've liked them
1: I've really liked them so far but I was running in Newtons and yeah.
0: I run in Ultra, which I love. <laughs> if you ever want to talk about sneaks, I'm your girl. Um, I used to get really bad ingrown toenails. Mm, yeah. Love that. When I was running in um, shoes with a narrower front, right? So like they kind of crowded my toes. Maybe I have huge feet. I don't think so. I think that um, it just allows your toes to have a more natural spacing and a more natural like um what am i trying to say step yeah like when your strike feet, yeah strike when your feet like hit the ground your toes want to like expand out right but right. in a lot of traditional running sneaks that's not allowed it's like prohibited within the constructs of the front of your shoe so ultra has like they're patented or whatever like their
1: wide toe box wide
0: toe box yeah. yeah um and mine are also actually i think they're all zero drop they're all zero drop and yeah. again
1: that means that the offset from the heel to the toe is zero which so,
0: again will also help you get much closer to that natural running form yeah um and i also as as,
1: basically just padding on your foot
0: yeah just like whatever it. cushion is there and And I think within Altra, they have like various levels and they also specialize in trail shoes, which I'm hoping to get my hands on this season. Um, Some off-road running, which would be really fun. Yeah. Um, I also used to struggle with shin splints a lot in when I was training for in high school for like five Ks. And I found that like running barefoot was the only way to prevent that. So I used to literally like go out for like runs barefoot people thought i was so weird where? on the road no 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 um just like in our on our cross country trail which was oh, okay. like the golf course but i used to just like run barefoot and then i moved into the like literal barefoot running fad where like everyone the was wearing whatever. Whatever. yeah the vibram piece. yeah literally um mine were like merrill or like okay, new balance with like vibram underneath but um <laughs> that's just another like vibram's like another brand of the grippiness underneath Uh, um but yeah so altros have been a perfect marrying of barefoot running which is like this is like the more natural running form it's zero drop so i'm basically like running without any assistance on either end yeah um and then also the wide toe box has been
1: revolutionary i was sort of a tangent the like you know how newtons have those weird lugs on the underside yeah I'm interested to see, I, I've from what I've heard about the Alpha Flies, again, harping on this again, the they said their drop is 9 millimeters, but I'm interested to see if that air pod under the toe sort of acts like the lugs on the Newtons, you know? Like, because you know how that sort of, like, made your foot, like... It, like, forced I mean, you into a certain form. Yeah, but, like like, it made the drop less. Does that make sense? Like that's why the drop was like two millimeters or whatever.
0: Cause it was like negative almost.
1: Yeah. Cause like that was like almost like a high heel for your toes. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see if that air has the same sort of effect when that foam compresses. So it sort of like forces your foot into a certain way. We'll I don't see. Know. Anyways. Anyway,
0: so. I run an ultra escalantes. Yeah. And you're Love part of the them. red team. Yeah. Know. Part of the red team. Yeah. And they're here in Denver, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah. Um. Yeah
1: um And then
0: socks. Yes, oh. we love so.
1: I I don't know. I guess I'll talk about this a little bit. But I always really struggled with blisters with my socks. And I was just running in like I don't know the store Coles brand Adidas, whatever's black socks. Yeah, really high quality running socks there. And I just really struggled with blisters. And I would always coat my feet and in the insides of my shoes with Vaseline, even on like a normal run. And then Morgan introduced me to Beliga socks. Yeah.
0: Because I ran and won my first half like marathon. K, half marathon yeah. No. Yeah. Th- we just like signed up for it and I won our age group or whatever. And the prize was beligas like a pair of Beliga socks. And I would always, I had won a pair after that point. Like I won that pair and then I would always use them as my race socks. Cause I was like, these are the special socks. Yeah. Um, they're amazing. They're the best.
1: I haven't really struggled with blisters since that.
0: And they yeah. have so many different varieties. Like I'm right now wearing the silver ones. I don't even know what I'm wearing. You're wearing, oh, yours are
1: so nice. I don't I even know I'm what these are sure. called. I don't know. Morgan's, Morgan thinks that I'm wearing one of hers or I've stole some No, not... Hidden Comfort? I yeah, don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yours are just so... I like those. I don't know which ones these are. Cam gets cooler
0: color wears than I do because he's a boy and I'm a girl, so I only get like pink and purple. Morgan just
1: always struggles with the colors of things, especially at like 70.3 races when she gets like a pink or a bright blue a bright blue shirt or something she's like cam always gets black i get like black or red that's it <laughs> that's which is I very want. boring honestly <laughs>
0: um but anyway beligas they have like every level from and we pretty much have them all from like no absolute no show Thin, and thin to like a cushiony sock that's a little bit thicker to like blister resist to like hiking blister resist yeah. to we race in their the crew, crew length enduros enduros yeah and then they the came out with another um crew length thinner like performance enduro oh gosh what i is don't that remember called? what it's called i
1: don't remember but it's either.
0: new they they just have them in black and white um and yeah. I really like them. I've actually been wearing them to ride my bike.
1: Yeah, they seem to be good cycling socks.
0: They're very, very thin. But we're both part of the what is it? Beliga impi team. Yeah. Um, so, so we're like basically you. like their ambassadors. Yeah, which, which is, is cool. cool. We love it. We love them. Yeah, we lo- I
1: I honestly love their socks. I've I've been really really happy with switching. You don't no. wear
0: anything but Beliga anymore. I mean, I don't think either of us do.
1: I mean, they send us socks, which is super uh, it's awesome part of being yeah. on the team. But I uh, yeah, I've just like we've I replaced wore. all of our s- old normal socks, Sox. my Adidas Colbrand socks <laughs> with now all the Beliga, which I think like two years ago I was like, Man, one day when I have money I'll <laughs> have, have all good all socks. <laughs> socks. And now now it is spoken into reality.
0: Although Cam can't tell whose socks are whose yeah, so I have so to hard. match all of our well, socks. It depends <laughs> of like
1: the of like the tiny ones that have similar colorways, it's fine. But like just the black and white ones <laughs> like all black i'm like yeah this isn't i have no idea but yeah so we love
0: yeah, um and then what i else? just i train in like training clothes it's just whatever we have i think for both yeah, of us just shorts
1: or tank top depending on the weather or jacket know, we have we like we're easy. like
0: slowly being colonized by ts2 clothes which i kind of love yeah i like that too um so Thanks, we have Nick. like <laughs> so we both have our ts2 t-shirts which are tech t-shirts pennies um yeah, or,
1: why do people say pennies? I've always called it a penny. What it's do you call It's a penny. Pi- she says she spells like <laughs> P I N N Y and I'm pretty sure it's spelled P E N N Y. Google it. No. Anyways. Uh, Let's take
0: a vote. Matt,
1: penny or penny? I said penny. Oh my god. Is that is that like me, Penny? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's cuz we both played soccer. Yeah, you both had like
0: oh, anyway. Fine.
1: Uh what else?
0: And, and then, then
1: I, again, wear the same sunglasses from cycling to run in if it's sunny. I don't wear any And to sunglasses. race in, I wear sunglasses, and I wear a backwards tier running hat to race in. And you wear a forwards TS2 visor.
0: Yeah, highly recommend the visor game. I was anti-visor for a very, very long time. I even raced my first race. Oh, no, I raced it in a tier visor. But I think visors for women in particular – are fantastic. Because it keeps your hair in check. Well, I can just put it through it. Uh, like, I don't yeah. have to worry about my hair because it's just like I'm regularly running. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, then, I train
1: and race in the visor. What else? And then our tri kits, we both have Own Way Apparel's tri kits, which mm-hmm. I, I've been really happy with. Honestly. They're
0: fantastic. They're yeah. both custom. um
1: I had a custom one, like fully custom just to me. And the, you've had TS2 ones which like are custom to me but as well yeah yeah, but i'm saying like you didn't get it just that one off i'm just no i guess you did you did get that one off
0: yeah it has all my
1: sponsors on it yeah, yeah, yeah. i i just can't I just, just being I, old i just like they're really great to work with <laughs> they um, are it's like designer suit so i would highly recommend on my apparel if you're looking for a sweet sleeved or unsleeved tri kit and they're
0: also boulder yeah located. they're also right here in boulder and they're they're big in the um, Big Sexy Racing. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure that's their team, right?
1: I, I think so. That's like one of their main teams. Yeah, yeah. which is really
0: cool. Um, so, yeah, that's... Is that everything? Oh, my gosh, I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I we feel like we're definitely like, missing stuff. During
1: the race, we both use uh, the tier, um, one of those little like race number belts. Mm-hmm. Just like all they basically, they don't have, hold any gels or water bottles or anything in the belt. They just hold the race number which is re- really helpful so you don't have to put on a t-shirt in transition like i did during my first try um i can't think of anything else really and then
0: i think the last thing which we've already talked about is just nutrition and we both use cliff gels and we and both and use infinite f- nutrition yeah. hydration like
1: drink yeah anyways hopefully that segment was uh, semi-useful to what all to right everyone
0: laxlingo.com or laxlibrary.com oh says my. pennies which some people say slash spell quote pennies end quote are the loose mesh listers these every player gets blah 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 so <sighs> everyone i'm right and um i guess that's the uh the end of this argument whatever
1: anyways <laughs> next segment woof yeah okay so this one's really complicated just oh my for god everyone. i feel like we've just been sitting here for hours i'll try and i'll try and make it as simple as possible but i'm gonna have a lot of questions i read a ton of stuff on this topic because last week we prefaced um how to qualify for the olympics um so basically i'm gonna try and talk about what i read and morgan's gonna be the audience the virtual audience in person um
0: because i i mean cams now explained this to me i've like, read it myself cams has tried to explain it twice
1: she read it herself and basically deleted all of my notes because she d- didn't understand. i just said it's too anyways all right here goes. i was trying to be helpful here goes how to qualify for the olympics i think a big reason that we're doing this this sounds it sounds like snotty or snobby or whatever but like <laughs> i've been asked a lot why i don't go to the olympics and like mm. And like, I mean, yes, I think it
0: feeds into the, like, aren't you guys going to go pro conversation? And, like, I mean, theoretically.
1: We could go pro. We both have qualified now. But to get to the Olympics, it's a whole different ballgame. And, like, yes, we both do very well in the age group ranks. But I don't even do as well as I want to do in the age group rankings. I feel like I still have a lot of work to do. And, like, just pro, I definitely I don't personally think I would do that well in the pro ranks. I think I would be a pretty mediocre pro. And then the Olympics, it's like literally a whole different world. But anyways, so how do you get to the Olympics? So this cycle, as far as I know, is a little bit different just because there is the introduction of a mixed relay. So... The mixed relay, well, let's just hit that definition real quick. It is basically a relay alternating female, male, female, male. Which which, I uh, think is the coolest format. Yeah, and it's basically a super sprint. So each one of those legs, they all do a mini triathlon, a 300-meter swim, an 8K bike, and a 2K run four times through. So that's that. Um, With that being introduced into the Olympics format, that's basically how they are using it to qualify it. I guess that's, like, the primary way. So, basically, they have a ranking system of all of the nation's relays. So, basically, how this works is the ITU and, like, the Olympics committee or whatever. Like, ITU is basically the Olympics, or what the Olympics looks at as, like, triathlons organization. So... The ITU hands out slots to nation states or like two governing bodies is what I think the actual places or like definition is called. So like the ITU allocates all of the slots to different governing bodies and then the governing bodies then are allowed to select who they want to like represent them and take up those slots.
0: And I think that's the most important piece of this is that yes. like the slots, however they're given and Cam will go into each of the different ways you can get a slot. Yeah. I think the slots, however they're given, are given to the governing bodies, government, and the government or the governing body. The governing
1: bodies, like the USAT, is the governing body of the United
0: States. So they're given to like a nation's governing body. Okay, they're (laughs) given to the governing body, right? Yeah, but not to individuals.
1: Correct. So even though, even though an individual could, like get that slot for the country, which right. is so it, like that, that it's part kind of stinks is that like you could be, I, I mean like how the USA system works is that like, I'll get into it. But again, like you could be the best triathlete and you get that slot for your country. Like, yay. Like you won the race, you won basically. the race yeah. or whatever, or you're the number one ranked relay and you helped the USA achieve the number one ranked relay. And ergo, you got the slot for the USA, but because the USA has a really funky qualification system to get the Olympics, say you get like fourth out of whatever on the Tokyo test event and all of a sudden you don't have the slot or whatever. Right. Which is, I don't know, it's kind of weird. So it's like, yeah, I think... It's complicated. I
0: think you explained it well. Okay, moving on. So
1: basically, in order to get one of these slots, so the first way, um, each nation in the top seven of the relay rankings, of the mixed relay rankings, are awarded four slots. So basically, that is decided on March 31st. The ITU rankings come out, and the top seven countries, the top seven countries' relays get four automatic slots. And that's two male, two female. Correct. Okay. So the, at least the nations would know that you have two male and two females, four people going for your country on March 31st, which seems pretty early. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't know who, who is that going. Is, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what,
0: I think that's such a crummy, if you win, you should get this lot.
1: Yeah. But I don't know. Some countries it's like that. Some it's not. So anyways, um, we'll just take, we'll take half of it since again, it's like two separate events you have the male event the male triathlon and then the female triathlon so we'll just look at like we'll just say look at the female side of things so seven times those two slots that's 14 slots out of the 55 slots per gender available already taken next i feel like i need like a
2: like
1: a wall (laughs) i need like a whiteboard (laughs) yeah anyways the next one um there is so sort of like the tokyo test event that was held last year there is a mixed relay like test event that is held in. I'm gonna butcher this name. It's held in Chengdu, China. I'm pretty sure. Um, but basically, it is basically like a I don't know do or die sort of situation. The top three mixed relays in that event get the the next slots. So those three those three countries get two or those three more countries get four more slots each so again if you're just looking at half of it that's another six slots for the females so that's a total of 20 slots just decided on relay rankings alone the 14 automatics plus that those three more in that one event does that make sense so far
0: yes and how many is that per nation
1: per nation yeah
0: Am I asking a silly question? I uh, sort of. Like if the US is there, how many did the US got?
1: So you at this point the US would only have two male and two female slots for a total of four slots cuz they can't qualify anymore. I mean, gotta, you got to got one gotta. relay. So this
0: is this is just relaying multiple rankings. nations. Yeah, so this is
1: like Not multiple. as of now basically it's like France and the US and Germany and Switzerland or whatever all have four slots each. And got there's it. a total of 10 of those countries. So, basically, it's like the top 10 best relays all have automatic slots. Got it. Thank you. That clears it up. I'm sorry. Okay.
0: (laughs) I'm really sorry. Um, I'm trying so hard.
1: So, there's that. Next, which is really confusing. So, now there are 26 slots that go to the top ranked individual ranked in the ITU. So now we're no longer looking at relay rankings we're just looking at individual rankings and the biggest thing of note here is that the individuals who already represented their their country's relay they're like so say your country is in the top those, those top 10 relays two of those names the top two are basically automatically emitted from these individual rankings so 20 names no matter where they're ranked on the list are all like basically like blacked out
0: and those are only people who competed in their nation's relay if they're in the top 10 ranked relays. Yes, okay. correct.
1: Which is, again, this is it gets so confusing. You can find all these roles at um, ITU's website also if you want to, like, read. <laughs> it was, like, this huge document, how to, like, spell it out. Thanks for reading it for us, Kay. But But, um, okay, so there's that. Um, the big thing to note here is that the max a country can get is three slots. So the U.S., is one of those countries you typically gets three slots um, in 2016 the countries that got those three slots on either the male or the female side were Germany Australia Great Britain Russia Spain the United States Canada France and Mexico so like sort of like the bigger well established countries um, basically you get three slots so again so let's just look at the US for example we are likely to finish in the top ten in the rankings and everything for relays for the relays. So we'll get two slots. Now we have a lot of very highly ranked individual triathletes as well. So we will likely get a third slot because one of those, one of our many female triathletes will likely fall within the top 26, even though that's not how it works because again, you omit those 20 females who competed on the relay. So after that third slot is taken up by the country, basically Everybody following. So the third slot is taken by, I don't know, I don't even know, Summer Rappaport, say, in this case. I think she's ranked, like, eighth overall. So the top or the top two American triathletes are automatically admitted. You take a look at the third one. She's ranked eighth. She gets a slot because she's so high up. And then basically the rest of the U.S. women are basically just crossed out as well. And that basically goes... Because they've already hit their three limit. Right. So in order to get a third triathlete, you have to have two very good female triathlete to make up a good relay team as well as like another third one who is just a very good individual triathlete as well so it's all theoretically
0: a, could you get three by having three ranked individuals, individuals i guess in the the top top 26 you, so theoretically
1: whatever. you could i don't know which country would do that because i feel like if you have that many good individual triathletes you'd probably so feel relay, good relay your yeah. relay would probably be pretty good
0: but it theoretically is possible
1: theoretically it is possible yes because um, you get a maximum of three so basically that goes until all 26 of those slots are filled um, and again it it rolls all the way down so like technically a uh, 60th ranked individual from I don't know from Slovakia because they don't have a good relay or something they could get the slot even though they're 26 available the people ahead of them all are either the fourth place or whatever on in their country or their relay was bad or I don't even know A whole bunch of different options, but it's basically the next 26 slots go to the top-ranked available individual of that ITU. And that's where a lot of times the country would just recognize that athlete for getting that slot, and they would just automatically give it to them. Does that make sense? You're looking at me very confused.
0: Because I want to clarify something else, which I feel like I already clarified. We'll say it these are still not being given to individuals. Correct. These are still just like, but but again, if
1: you look at like, I'm I'm just making this up, this is all hypothetical, but like say that individual from Slovakia who's ranked 60th and gets that slot to go to Slovakia, the Slovakian national governing body will likely give it to that athlete. Right, right, because right. Because they're the only person who's qualified. But that's still like
0: later on in this process. Right, right. now we're
1: still just like awarding slots out to, to the nations. governing bodies, correct. Got it. Okay. So thank you. You have the twenty slots awarded from relays and another twenty six to the top ranked individuals in the ITU. That gives us a total of forty six as of now. This is where things get a little bit simpler, but still sort of thank weird. God that was the most confusing part i think <laughs> um the next five slots are awarded to the top athlete in the rankings from each continent i love this you don't like this it but so i love in, it <laughs> this is given that the athlete has not already been given a slot out of the top individual rankings or a mixed relay so basically it's like a criteria that gives it to smaller countries that so are, that's
0: uh, like if you've hit your three limit if you hit your three limit. Everyone from that three limit nation. So, like, the U.S. hits their three limit. Yep. Every U.S. athlete's crossed off. Yep. And then say, like, I can't think of a nation right now.
1: But but that also goes through all the top 26 next. Right.
0: Not just U.S. Right. But, like, I'm saying everyone who's been, who's hit their three limit. Yeah.
1: Well, not even that. That's, the slots are just taken up. You've hit all 46 slots. So, the next 26 individual athletes are taken up. So, let's say... When you hit the top 26, that individual is actually ranked 80th, say, okay? 80th in the rankings. Does that make sense? Now you look at the top athlete from each continent. That's not in the individual rankings. So that's not, that's an athlete oh, who's not okay. in the top 80, right? Got it. So these are additional people who are ranked lower. So this is like athlete number 101 is the only athlete or who's the best ranked athlete from the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. They get one slot. The next one is the continent of North America. They get another slot, and they're ranked 120th or something, and they're from Bermuda or something. I don't okay, know. Okay. I'm just making stuff up at this point.
0: But these can't be given out to countries that have <sighs> hit their three.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, this, they can't get a fourth. I feel like
0: that narrows it down a lot, doesn't right, it? Yeah,
1: this gives it, again, this, this basically encourages the developing countries to give us get a slot. Okay, so that, that's an additional five. So that gets us up 46 plus five is now 51 slots. Two slots are automatically given to the host nation. In this case, it's Japan. So that puts us up to 53. And then the final two are given... I can't pronounce this. Can Japan have five
0: if N- they've hit their three?
1: No. I think they can have a max of three, but they get two automatically. So say, like, again, another hypothetical... Say Bermuda hosts it. Bermuda likely doesn't have two triathletes, but they're automatically given two slots. Got it. Four is one, but I don't know who the other one is. There's gotta be one. I'm just making stuff up.
0: No, no, I'm with you.
1: I understand now. Okay. Thank you. I'm so just. Now,
0: I'm really trying to understand.
1: <laughs> so now the final two are given by the. I again. think it's tripart tripartite. I don't know. the Some fancy commission Tripodite? invitation. It's basically just by invitation. I don't know what criteria they use. I couldn't find it. But it's basically just given to um, countries with developing uh, tri programs. Um, two caveats here I forgot. The five slots awarded to the best athlete in each continent. The only qualification there is that the athlete must be in the top 140 in the rankings. Got it. This tri... Whatever. The yep. fancy commission people, the athlete has to be within the top 180. That's basically it. That's now 55 slots. Okay. Um. So now, now all the slots are given to the individual, individual nations, and now the individual nations are now forced to decide who gets to go. So we're going to look at the United States, because that's where this podcast is being hosted. Um, but this is like a We're ter- in the
0: gobo, though.
1: This is where, like, this is, like, honestly the worst country to look at, because there are other countries which I'll we'll get to, which are so much simpler. But... Anyways, um, so, for the United States, um, we use qualification events, sort of like the swimming Olympic trials or the marathon trials, rather than a nation like Kenya for the marathon who just ran, not randomly, they just select the best athlete who they think, um, would be best suited to, like, win the medals in the marathon. So, for these qualification events, the first one is the Tokyo Test event, which, um, Already happened. The second one is WTS Yokohama, which is May 16th to the 17th of, which, what's that, like in three months. And then the last, which isn't a qualification event, but they basically use a board to look at athlete results and performances, even like Super League Triathlon or Major League Tri to decide like an athlete's overall profile. Huh. A big thing to so know. This is like strength of schedule. Sort of, yeah, yeah. So, um, in order, I wanted to note this too, in order to even compete in these events, you need to just have more than just like an elite license by the USAT. Um, so in order to compete in these events, obviously you need an elite license in the US, or in the USAT, like triathlon organization. I guess, do you want to touch on this quick? How to get an elite license? I think this is kind of pertinent. jump in. Basically, um a couple criteria it used to be or one of them is like you have to finish within 8% of the finisher's time um, like the first place yeah person? yeah the the first place finisher the winner's time in an event with a prize purse of $5,000 or more or that feels like
0: such stringent oh no criteria. it was
1: and the thing is that a lot of Strict. pros didn't even do that in a half huh. ironman event i mean you had to finish within like four minutes yeah of that. and like that's like the second place person and you have to do that you had to do that three times in a calendar wow. year which is like i don't even know how anybody ever was able to, to. And yeah. you have to do that every year you have to renew your pro card every year which I, whatever that's another topic um another one is to qualify top 10 overall age group at kona top 10 overall age group at ITU World Championships, um a top 5 overall age group at USAT Nationals, top 5 overall at Collegiate Nats, um or top 3 overall amateur in a elite qualifying race, which you can find all those races at usat.com or the new one that they added recently was a score of or a gender rated score of 104.420 at two races with at least 300 participants in your gender and that's the one that i think basically everybody has been hitting this huh. recently and like everybody has a pro card so right anyways
0: so that all so of those so you have to no, like you do have to do all of those you no i'm saying like one. they still these it's not the eight percent rule anymore right mm-hmm. or is that still a criteria like theoretically, that's if one you of them. did that, that's one of them. So that's not gone; it still is one of them. Yeah, it still is one of them. And but then the, you have to like be one of these placements or get a one hundred four four two six. Yeah. four two zero. Well, you have to
1: do you have to do any one of those oh, I just listed. Yeah, got it. So then you, you, you get your pro card. Next, you have to apply to race in these events. Um, which also have country restrictions and participation restrictions based on, like, what each governing body gets. So, like, each governing body is allotted a certain number of slots per each WTS race. So, like, for example, at the Tokyo Test event, USAT was only um, allotted five athletes per gender. So, that's only five americans per male or female mm-hmm. with an additional four athletes per gender if the start list was under 65 participants which there is no way in hell that was going to happen because <laughs> fewer was... than
0: 65 people wanted to be at the yeah, tokyo few, yeah fewer than 65 people <laughs> wanted to go to the <laughs> no <Olympics>. one cares
1: <laughs> anyways so we got up to five athletes which i don't even think we got but um yeah so then um yeah, you, you apply to get to these races, and then the U.S. somehow selects that. I don't know how they select that. I couldn't find that anywhere. Like, who they, goes? They, they Yeah, they then select who of the people who apply to get into the race can actually go to the race. I'm guessing it's, like, rankings and previous performances, yada, yada. So, then, if you actually get to race, this is now when you actually can qualify. So, at the Tokyo Test event, it's basically the criteria... I. In the rule book, it states that the first two in the top three get an automatic slot, but there's no way two U.S. people are going to finish in the top three in one of these crazy races. That's insane. Um, So basically then it just becomes the first two in the top eight, which again is like insane because it seems like every country has that sort of rules. Um, So basically in the U.S., it's basically if you finish in the top eight, you pretty much automatically get a slot, which... This last the Tokyo Testament, the only American out of male and female to do it was Summer Rappaport. And I think she got eighth. I, I forget which slot she ended up getting because of all the drama with the people who tied and they disqualified them. But oh, my she, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, she got a slot. Ugh. She got a slot. Um, we weren't podcasting
0: then. But if nah. we were. Yeah, that was nuts. I would
1: have had a Morgan PSA about how annoying <laughs> that was. But basically, we focus on this one-day performance, which I think we can talk about quick. I I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the one-day performance is better, or do you think, like, the consistent performance, like, rankings is better? Actually, we'll wait, because that's my, like, last point of this whole Okay, I'll noodle on it. I'll start thinking. That's basically, like, the major breakdown of all this. But um, a couple of notes on this. Um, If any section of this Tokyo Test event or WTS Yokohama is canceled... Um, like say for instance, the swim is canceled then the event is no longer a selection event. Um, I'll get into this a little bit later because different countries have different rules on this. Um, if the race is shortened to at least a sprint distance of either one of the legs, it still counts as a test event. Again, other countries have different rules about this, i.e. Australia. I don't know if you remember this with Ashley gentle. Yes. The race was shortened in the women's race because of the heat because of the heat. And it no longer counted as a test event for her, which really sucks. I but. know
0: she's so great. But. Honestly, Ash and Josh
1: are your favorite.
0: I love them. <laughs> they have a great house too.
1: Yeah, their house is cool.
0: Not that we've seen it. Anyways. I've just seen it on Insta stories.
1: Anyways, <laughs> um, so um, we're gonna keep looking at the U.S. So if nobody gets top eight at the Tokyo test event, then then it goes to wts yokohama which is coming up so like think of the u.s men none of them got top eight in the tokyo test event so now the wts yokohama basically becomes the tokyo test event like it becomes like how you get the slot to go to tokyo for the olympics so again it's just the top eight if you finish in the top eight at wts yokohama you basically get the slot
0: and these are for people now for yeah, this is this, this is, is how like the U.S. Choosing does Choosing that like KM goes to the Olympics. yeah, this is how okay. the
1: U.S. chooses. This is no longer the ITU allocates slots. This is how the Got U.S. It. allocates slots. So okay. the U.S. the United States is now giving slots. The only person in the U.S. who's gotten it thus far, male or female, has been Summer Rappaport because she qualified at Tokyo Test Event. Okay, thank you. So if no one gets top eight again at Yokohama, then the then it basically goes to the board which is then when things get interesting because the board is now no longer objective. It's I was going to say subjective. it's like completely, it's just people. Now it has now switched to a one day performance. Now people in Colorado Springs judging who gets to go. The Colorado Springs is where the USAT headquarters is anyways. So how they judge, this is all published on USAT's website on how to like select their national team or whatever else, their Olympic team. So, they use rankings and performances in WTS races, mixed relay performances as well as interesting criteria like the course profile, so like if it's a hilly or flat course, they use that sort of things and how athletes have performed on courses similar to that. They use environmental factors like heat and humidity and how athletes perform in conditions like that. performances So if
0: you've never raced a race that's like freezing cold and the Olympics is in a freezing cold place. You have less of yeah. a chance of getting this. Yeah. T- according to their criteria. Wow.
1: Now I don't think that's necessarily true because I feel like at this point when it gets to the board, they basically just choose the top right. Ranked they athletes. like know who's going. right Yeah. Now. Um, interesting. Though, I know that they
0: built that into their, yeah, structure. they include
1: performances on single day competitions and like how high the stress is and how you perform under that sort of stress, like the Olympics, um, they also look at team tactics and how you would do, especially because this time you have the mixed relay. That's been a huge mm-hmm. factor that I saw with any governing body is that they really want to look at how you would perform with a team, team tactics. So that's like how would you do with front pack swimming, like how good of a swimmer you are. Because, again, in draft legal triathlon, it's basically just a swim. I don't want to say it's just. Let me put that out there. Yeah. The bike is also very hard. But the biggest things are how well you can swim and how, how well you can run.
0: Well, I think that's, I mean, we've talked about that that's where the the racist won and lost for
1: sure. Because you need to make the pack and the bike and then you just like, not necessarily chill in the bike, but it's just very hard for this short of distance to have a crazy breakaway Mm -hmm. and they need to be able to run like hell. And then um, how good you are, other criteria, establish or close gaps on the bike, your time trying ability, if you have superb transition skills, um, and if you can close um, gaps on the run, think of like the anchor leg on the relay, especially for the male side. Um, the committee that makes up I, this board. Sorry, looking at
0: all these, I yeah. would be like, <laughs> I'd be like, they'd be like, no, Morgan, Check Morgan off the list. Not Morgan. <laughs> Superb transition skills. Woo, throw Morgan right out. <laughs> Just like, could I ever make the Olympics?
1: No. <laughs> sure couldn't. Wow. <laughs> um. So the committee. Oh, this is an important note of how they make it up. So it's made of of the high performance manager. Um. I, this is like they kept. What is that? I think that's like the coach, the quote unquote coach of the Olympic triathlon squad. I don't know how they determine that. I'm sure that's another. Criteria. How do you become that person? I don't know. I think they also have to be, um, what is it called? Like, n- n- no conflict of interest. So they like can't be pals with any of the. They athletes? can't be like the origin performance squads head coach because got it, they coach. Got it, got it. Like, yeah, I don't think that 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 can happen. But I don't know because like, what was the like coach the the coach of Michael Phelps? I thought he was USA's swimming coach. So I don't know how it works. Anyways. The high performance manager is one of the people, an independent entity from another governing body. So it's like another person from like Spain's governing body somehow makes up this this committee a usat coach with no athletes in consideration and for this one i wanted to make a note that nick tram
2: <laughs> could
1: easily be on this committee choosing olympic athletes because he is a usat certified coach with no send athletes the in recommendation down to colorado's Springs. <laughs> I'll, I'll just i'll just uh, put it on a sticky note and slide it under their door <laughs> and then a current or former at elite license holder um and again, important thing to note is that no one can have a conflict of interest when voting on any of the athletes. You must have a majority vote as well. Um, and another thing I thought was interesting was it has to also, you have to apply with all, or comply with all of the anti-doping agencies, and they listed- That's just four people on the board? Yeah, just four people, yeah. Four people. yeah. Wow. Yeah, the committee, yeah, the board, whatever. Yeah, yeah, sorry. The athletes also have to comply with all anti-doping policies, and I just thought this was interesting because we just talked about anti-doping, and they listed all of the different agencies on USAT's website, and they are the IOC, the IPC, PSAO, WADA, IF, USADA, and USOC, which that's basically just, I just wanted to include that because that just highlights highlights how uh, confusing all of the uh, different doping agencies are. It needs to be one, in my opinion. But anyways, <sighs> okay, keep going. We're so close. Um, I guess for the mixed relay, um, so that's when it comes down to the mixed relay time in the actual Olympics, the high-performance manager gets the final say. So, like, again, if the U.S. has three slots, male and female, so there's a total of six athletes, the high-performance manager gets to actually decide who gets to be those Two and two, who get to make up the relay, which I thought was wow. interesting. Wow, yeah, that's a lot of Pressure. responsibility. I know. So, um, I think that's basically it. So, basically, if you qualify at the end of the day, if they choose your, if you qualify in one of the te- events, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> again, uh, if you you made it this far, <laughs> yeah, you made it through the crazy. I don't even know. It's a gambit. Yeah. So, in terms of the ITU, you can find these on... They have, like, an ITU simulation for, like, th- who would qualify if it ended right now. Or huh. what they project. Okay. Which is actually kind of interesting. Um, but for the women they project, it's going to be Taylor Spivey, um, Katie's Ferris, and obviously Summer Rappaport. Um, for the men, um, they project that's going to be eli hemming matt, matt McElroy, and morgan pearson which they're all like i see them all the time which is kind of weird that always smoke two questions yeah is
0: it McElroy? i don't know interesting i don't know
1: because i've heard it both ways
0: i didn't i'm gonna confess i didn't know that morgan was so good
1: what
0: yeah i didn't know he was like in olympic
1: contention yeah i had no idea well here's the thing i'm not gonna First, of all, I'm not going to say that any of these athletes are terrible, but the U.S. at least on the men's side has not had like a medal contender.
0: But I think qualifying for the Olympics is it's massive. Huge. Yeah, I'm not yeah, even yeah. talking about like. I mean, our winning. previous one
1: was like our previous one in 2016 was Ben Canute, and he didn't he didn't win a medal, but he's a very good triathlete.
0: Interesting. Well, next time we see Morgan, I'll give him a high five, thumbs up.
1: That's what that's what it is. Projecting that by no means has. He has not gotten the slot because, again, we still have Yokohama. And if he doesn't qualify Yokohama, then it comes down to the board. And, again, I would assume that the USAT board just sort of elects these top three USA athletes in the rankings to go. But, I don't know, something crazy could happen in, like, I don't even know. Somebody could go, um, like Chase. That'd be cool. But, anyways. um so and then i guess the last thing to note was that the national team um for the usat i guess there's like different levels and tiers depending on your results throughout the years so like these athletes are already on the national team depending on like how they're ranked like i'm guessing Katie's affairs is like the gold standard and they get a living stipend travel reimbursement a coaching stipend and health insurance um, this is all the, that's what they get let's from go to the olympics no that's what they get even for like just being on the national team like during normal non-olympic years like like competing in ITU, you're on the national team i feel like we're just doing something wrong here cam again it's impossible like you have to get your pro license then you have to be so good enough to actually apply to get on to these and then like be accepted lines, and they have to do really well at this actual events to be ranked so high to actually get the living stipend and all that stuff but that sounds dreamy that. though yeah it does sound dreamy but again like the, i think the best stipend was like five thousand dollars per quarter for a living stipend which is like not oh that that's much. not enough to live but yeah but that's all that plus their prize money and sponsorship earnings so true come out anyway of our tax <laughs> dollars. is that that's not tax money yeah the olympics is tax money huh the more do you know at least in the u.s i don't know how it works for other countries but anyways um so that's a lot of confusing that's just for the united states so that's fun so now let's look at the other a couple others um more briefly don't worry don't, don't yeah, turn yeah, this us is, off. is super yeah this is super brief so great britain's is basically just by a committee um that's like just the final step in the u.s basically it's like just the board um they're select on athlete results at the tokyo test event wts yokohama but also if they're at quote a serious contender for medals, which is interesting here because I feel like they just built that rule in just because Alistair Brownlee announced that he was going to race, even though he hasn't been competing in the WTS for the last like three years. Um, I get what else do they look at? They look at ITU rankings, team compatibility for the mixed relay, which I think is kind of interesting, environmental factors, previous Olympic game performances which again looks at Alistair Brownlee and then the stress of a one day huge race, which that's That's
0: a fascinating piece.
1: I know. I mean, it it seems like almost the exact same criteria that the U S uses. No,
0: I know. I just thought it when you first said it and I'm thinking it again.
1: Yeah. Um, next is South Africa and they use, their first off their little like fact sheet on how they choose athletes was it was literally like one page of like two bullet points it was (laughs) so like they must be
0: good (laughs) they must be pro
1: it was so easy it was like basically they only use the it rankings for both their mixed relay um and the individual rankings after those top three slots are allocated if they get a third slot so basically they just use the ITU rankings, which is so easy. It just makes sense. Yeah,
0: like that just makes sense to me.
1: I so think. if they are more allotted two slots because their mix really does so well, those two athletes who got them the slot get it, or they're, they're like the highest ranked, which is I don't know, very interesting. Um, Canada is very similar to the USA. Basically, it's uh, based on select races like the test event and w upcoming wts races and theirs is if you place top five Um, if you don't do that then they have another committee who's based upon rankings performances team tactics performances like front pack swimming gap closing and building environmental conditions they also an interesting piece with canada is they have a um, built-in like training plan tracker and you have to meet a minimum of 80 percent training compliance on training peaks (laughs) <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah that's one of their criteria to make their team <sighs> uh, and they also um, have like updated fitness and injury illness tracker that can kick you off the team as well as um, they track like race experience or something. Oh, whoa, very interesting. Um, that's I think this very is last. personal this is the last one so this is Australia basically you need to have a top three finish in the Tokyo test event. Otherwise, it is, again, based upon a committee where it's, like, overall race performances. um, And they also have another injury-slash-illness-and-fitness tracker. What else is interesting? I don't know. I think that's about it.
0: Your question for me. Yeah. I don't know the answer. I keep going back and forth.
1: On whether it's subjective or objective is better.
0: I think, I think objective.
1: Where? Which one? Where it's like just based on a committee or? No, no. Or just I like, think that's uh, just like the one-day race.
0: I think it should be a one-day race. I,
1: it's just so difficult. I don't know. I honestly,
0: uh, I'm shocked that we don't have like a U.S. a U.S.
1: triathlon race. trials. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of shocked too because that's how it works with swimming and the marathon and like open water swimming. It works like every other thing that I can think of the USA hosts its own qualifier like, and the track and field has its own. Yeah. It's basically like you have to be like, again, the U S is allotted two or three slots per event. So like the 400 meter gets two slots. The marathon is two slots. The hundred butterfly gets two slots. And it's basically, you have to finish top two in that event at the Olympic trials, which a lot of times the Olympic trials is more competitive than the, the Olympics in the United States, just because we have so many stupid good athletes. And if you don't get those two slots, you're not going. And like, right. Honestly, it could be up to that day that you are the best in the hundred meter butterfly and you get third and you're not going or you're going as an alternate, which would suck. But like, that's just how it is.
0: Well, I think that gets down to all of the subjective pieces that they were looking at too. Like, Like, race day stress. I feel like an Olympic qualifier race is, like, the ultimate stress. One step below the actual Olympics, you know? Um, Like, closing a race or front pack swimming. Like, I think all of those pieces, you can show them in an actual race. Especially if the race is built and or cherry-picked to be ideal for For this race. Yeah, For whatever. Yeah, exactly. I
1: I think I kind of agree. But it's just very difficult because it's, like... Again, what if you have, like, a crazy good athlete who just doesn't perform the day or is injured or ill that day, but they'd be ready in time for Tokyo? It's just, like, it's so difficult to either, like, choose an athlete, which, again, they could leave. If you choose an athlete, you could leave someone out who would perform really well on that given day or I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think the mix of how the U.S. does it honestly kind of makes sense where it's, like, We give you a couple shots to qualify automatically, and if you don't, then we'll go to, like, a subjective system. Whereas, like, South Africa is, like, just entirely objective, where it's just like, we're just going to take whoever is ranked the best, and they're gone. Which is, I don't know. But I think, I don't know. I mean, how the rest of the U.S. works, though, what you're saying is, like, if it's just the trials of every different like sport yeah that honestly makes sense i'm just
0: not sure what sets triathlon like really what sets it apart from like the marathon it's still just a race yeah you know it's dynamic and then it's like three pieces yeah five pieces when you think about transitions but like i think it should just i mean i agree with you that i think the u.s way however convoluted makes a lot of sense in that it seems like you're getting the very best athletes when you like consider every. Piece in every performance. Yeah, but it just seems overly complicated. Yeah, it seems like we're trying too hard. Anyways. We like really want to win. Like, <laughs> literally, like Cam has, I think, a page and a half for the U.S. Yeah, South Africa has three lines of notes, and it's just like we we are just so competitive. My document that I created
1: just to have the notes is like eight times longer than South Africa's official document. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh,
0: it's really complicated yeah i'm really excited to see what happens yeah and but we'll I mean, obviously <laughs> keep our listeners updated here as things progress yeah so
1: anyways um i'm like winded from that i know hopefully we didn't lose you after that that was like a really long segment but it was like it's such a complicated system it's so stupid anyways what do we have coming up i guess the very best most
0: exciting thing in what? the whole world what olympic marathon trials
1: yeah even though we're a triathlon podcast we're talking about the u.s olympic triath er we talk about olympic everything marathon trials swimming
0: biking running
1: so those are coming up at the end of the month like very yeah at the 29th night. we've got a ton of local folks going yeah
0: we do i'm so excited we'll be watching so many like i know it's gonna be, familiar it's faces. Gonna be a cool race i'll be hosting Hopefully. a watch party
1: yeah you can't come thanks anyways i think that's it
0: (laughs) um thanks everybody for listening yeah i know this was a marathon (laughs) (laughs) not pun this is not the olympic marathon trials this was a marathon episode yeah um but thanks for sticking with us we'll be back next week yeah same time same place yeah all right we'll see you then thanks
1: bye